0: Hey guys, welcome to this episode of Tada! I thought that I would uh, do things a little bit different this week, and you can kind of tell me what you think. So I get a lot of questions about minimalism and living intentionally, seeing as I work with Joshua and Ryan at The Minimalists. So I thought I would share with you my story. So I uh, I hope you enjoy it. Thanks for listening. So, I've never recorded a solo podcast before. I've tried. I'm not going to lie. I've totally tried and not done so successfully. But it's kind of, it's a challenging thing, but whatever. We're just going to try it out because uh, people need to do challenging things more. So, that's what I'm going to try to do. Um, So, something that I want to talk about um, that a lot of people tend to ask me about since I work with The Minimalists is I tend to get asked a lot about the way that, that I implement minimalism into my life and, and like just the approach I take and, and how it all started. So I just figured out that I just figured that I'd like kind of tell, uh, my like rendition of the story and yeah, just kind of how everything started. So, um, growing up, um, I was so messy. It was absolutely disgusting. I mean, like I was an absolute mess. My bedroom would certainly be described as atrocious. And I actually remember, like, my mom describing my bedroom as atrocious. I was, like, the kid that, like, always left, like, food in their lunchbox and then it smelled bad. Like, I've never been an extremely, I had never been before an extremely organized person. So, um, in terms of minimalism, like, growing up, I don't necessarily think that, like, I was like way amped up on that lifestyle. I think it was just sort of something like, uh, like that, that made its way into my life via practicality when I was in college. So, um, it, everything, I guess, kind of started with the whole stuff thing, uh, around 2012. Um, my husband, Matt and I had just gotten married and, um, we had, like, a normal house, I guess. We had a normal registry. We had all the stuff. We had a lot of cups. I don't – I remember one time we got into an argument about, like, which cups we should keep. Do we need beer cups and wine cups or do we just need cup cups? Like, do we need teacups? What about the saucers that come with the tea cups? Do we need shot glasses? I'm not doing shots. Are you doing shots? You're not doing shots. And it was, like – it was – I think it was just, like, we were kind of – we had just gotten married. We are like, okay, so what is this supposed to look like? Because um, I know it's not really, like, standard nowadays for people to get married, like, when they're they're 23. So, like, we got married in our early 20s, and we were just kind of figuring out, like, okay, what are we supposed to do now? Like, everyone who's married, their lives look so, like, for me, from my perspective, it just put, looked so put together. And when I looked around our apartment, I felt so inadequate. Because um, we didn't have the money. And we're still not super rich, but, like... It was just one of those things where I was like, oh, like, I'm looking around, we don't have the money to put towards all of these things, and this form of competition is making me feel inadequate. And um, I'm a very competitive person. You wouldn't really think that I'm a competitive person, because I don't really give a shit about sports. Um, I'm not, like, somebody who pays attention to, like, points. Like, if somebody's going to invite me over to play like a game or something like that. I'll joke around and get competitive, but like I don't seriously, but internally I'm very competitive and I realized that I was competing in a game that I had no interest in partaking in. Um like to support us Matt was working at a desk job in like, you know, like an hour over and well over an hour outside of where I was going to school and we only had one car and he was like you know waking up at like four and five a.m and he hated his job and I was like in college just being like I'm sorry like I have to go to school full-time you know it was my last semester at NIU in 2013 in the spring at Northern Illinois University um so like you know I was just I was just like trying to make it work and I think we were both just like trying to figure out like what does this look like for us? Cause we know that we want to be together and we know that we want to be married, but we don't really know. Like, I don't know if we need, if we need like the name brand shit to prove that we're like the kind of married people that would like order from West Elm, which I have nothing against West Elm, but um, there were just a lot of ways material, materialistically that I felt that we didn't have our life together. So when I realized that increasing the amount of things and curating them wasn't going to actually satiate like, my desire to feel like an equal amongst the people that, like, that I knew, I, uh, I decided instead that I would subtract. And I, even though I'm very competitive, it was like I decided that I wanted to omit myself from that game. So, in 2013, I was, like, I went to school for fine art, specifically in painting, and I wanted to work at art galleries. So, what I did is I worked at galleries within the school. I worked at a, uh, a gallery in the school. It was Jack Olson Gallery. And then I also worked at a museum within the school. Sorry. <laughs> I live in Chicago. It's, uh, pretty busy out there. So, actually, yeah. So, anyways, uh... I I worked at art galleries. I was trying to... I knew... Here's what I knew. I knew that I had a degree, or I was going to get a degree, and that, like, I would have that, Um, but I was also getting an art degree, and, like, when you tell people that you're getting an art degree, like, even when you're in college, you kind of, like, see how, like, most people are kind of like, oh, you're getting an art degree, huh? Like, that's going to be... That's going to be so useless, and uh, so... So when we, I went to school for fine art. I specialized in painting. Um, and I just, I wanted to have these jobs working at at like a museum and working in an art gallery so that I could kind of have something outside of just an art degree to speak towards and just kind of say, hey, like I'm aware of something in the way that galleries work. Maybe I'm not aware of like the buying and selling because you couldn't buy and sell at this, like at the school gallery, but I know how to hang paintings or I know how to put together a good reception. And um, at least from like, you know, DeKalb, Illinois standards, like I had an idea of what things should look like. So uh, spring 2013, we're kind of getting, Matt and I are getting to a point where we had like talked about moving for a while. We had friends that moved to Phoenix, Arizona, and we're like, you know, we should really just like, we should, we should move later this year. Let's do this. Let's, like, really figure out what it's like to live on our own because we had lived on our own but we hadn't lived very far away from our families and I think that we both knew that we were um, inexperienced kids which is totally fine to be, like, an inexperienced kid. It's okay to not have experience um, but I think for us, like, we needed a way to, for us to be introduced to some challenges. Uh, we both grew up in in you know, a great, a great little town in Illinois, um, just south of the border of Wisconsin. And while I, I, I love that my parents like wanted to raise me up in a place that, um, that was safe. Um, I also knew that as an adult, my, I don't know, my, my adversity muscle was atrophied. And, I mean, it's because my parents did such a... My parents and grandparents, like, did such a wonderful job, like, trying to build a life that was, like, sustainable and that was, like, you know, livable, that we could, like, you know, that you could survive. And and at that time, like, you weren't... It's not really something that people were asking, like, you know, about, like, if we should, like, adventure off. Like, I don't really come from a family that was, like, much adventuring off. It was more so, like sticking in the, in the same area, which is totally fine, but we just felt like we needed to go somewhere. So, um, we, I remember sitting in this gallery, it was beautiful. It was like really dimly lit and I would sit in the office and work and I loved it actually. And like, I'm looking back on it fondly and there are some things that I didn't love about it and some things I did, but, um, I mostly just loved being able to like hang paintings at two in the morning and like I would just do that and listen to Foster the People and, and I had the gallery keys and I could just go there whenever I wanted and I could go to the spare gallery whenever I wanted and it was just like, it was really amazing to have access to that and to have time and space alone to work and learn. So I'm sitting there in this art gallery, it's like, you know, probably like 9 a.m. on a Tuesday or whatever and I'm like, all right, well, we're going to move we're going to move to Phoenix, Arizona, so I better get, like, a good U-Haul, right? We got to, like, do some research. I'm like, all right, what's a U-Haul cost? What do we got to What do, we gotta do here? And we didn't, I mean, we did not make a lot of money. Our apartment, our first apartment was, like, 600 bucks a month. I mean, it was just, like, and it was really cute. It was really adorable. It was built around the turn of the century, and um, it was on top of an old framing shop. So, anyways... I'm like, all right, I'm going to look this up. And it was like $2,500 or something like that uh, for a truck to go one way across the country from Chicago to Phoenix, Arizona. And uh, <clears throat> it was just one of those moments where I was like, shit, like, we don't have $2,000. We don't have like $1,000. Like, like, how are we going to do this? Like, how are we going to work this out? So um, I'm waiting for this to pass. Ah, the joys of podcasting without a studio. Hopefully, you guys like it. It just adds to the ambiance. Um, so, I'm working in this art gallery. I find out it was twenty five hundred dollars, and we're like, shoot, we gotta start doing this. And I was actually at the time writing my thesis paper on Donald Judd. He's known as the grandfather of minimalism within um, within uh, fine art, and and it was I, I had to write a paper about like about his his like sculptures. And I had to describe them. Um, And it was really challenging to try and describe Donald Judd's work. It was like, I think it was like, the paper has to be seven pages. And literally, like, his work is just squares. Like, if you Google Donald Judd, then you'll see his work. It's literally squares. And sometimes they're they're transparent or they're laying on the floor. They're on this side. And I'm not minimizing what, like, the quality of the work, especially at, at that time. It was such a new thing to be like, this can be fine art, too. Um, but the fact of the matter is it's really hard to write a seven page paper describing that. Um, and I kind of thought about it and I was like, you know, why is there any way that minimalism could be applied to my life? Like, is there any way? And I don't know, know, like, I don't know how all of this kind of like melded together in my brain, but it just kind of made sense. So I started getting rid of stuff because I realized that like we were gonna be moving, and if, if we were going to move, that we were gonna have to do a really good job getting rid of all of our shit. So we, uh, I started getting rid of a lot of stuff, and then and I know that like, you know, Matt was kind of getting rid of stuff too, and he didn't have as much time available to him, granted, because he was working a lot and his commute was so insane. Um, so I started getting rid of stuff like crazy. And I, I was like, you know, one morning I was on Twitter a lot. And one morning I did a Twitter search for minimalism. And that's when I came across The Minimalists' work. I think the first essay that I read was their essay. It's titled, uh, Why Comments Killed the Internet Star. And, um, and it's about how they decided to remove comments from their website. And uh, I think that, that came out around March 2013. So I read that and it was like, oh, like this is pretty dope. And then I started like reading all of their essays and listening to the audio books. And like at that point, the minimalist, not that it wasn't like, it wasn't, I don't know that it wasn't big, but like they started in 2009, like 2013 and things weren't massive. There was like no talk of a movie at that time or anything like that. It was all really simple. And, um, yeah, I just, I just started really like devouring their work and, One of the biggest things that I really enjoyed about it is that, like, it talked a lot about living in accordance with your values. And um, that's something that, like, I think probably is, like, one of the parts of minimalism that struck me initially then the most. and, And now what strikes me the most is that I see the importance in spending time on the things that truly actually matter to you that like that part was really amazing like the idea just like the concept of knowing okay if something really matters to me then i'm going to dedicate my energy and my effort sometimes my money my thoughts my skills whatever resources i have i'm going to dedicate towards this one thing and um i just kind of wanted to see like i wanted to see a representation of like the gratitude that I had for my life actually being implemented. And to be honest, like, I don't even really know if I actually felt that true, like, gratitude. I don't really think I recognized life for what it was until, like, you know, I don't know, probably. I don't know. I I think it's, like, a growing thing, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just, that's the part that really struck me, is that, like, I want to live out my values and I want to spend time with people I love and I want to spend time doing things that like I enjoy and creating things that I want to create I think I've always been somebody that really lives from the heart and I mean I kind of not that I need to prove it to anybody but it kind of showed in college where I was like going to school going into debt and I actually like I was like, no, I'm going to school and I'm going to be a painter. And like, I remember wanting to do that since I was like five. Um, and so I've always been somebody who wears their heart on their sleeve and, um, you know, tries to be genuine at all times. So yeah, that was like the first thing. So Matt kind of realized how much stuff I was getting rid of. And he was like, at first, he said he was, like, oh, finally, like, she's getting rid of some of her shit. And then, like, he kind of saw... I was, like, no, like, you don't understand. Like, I'm getting rid of everything. Like, you don't understand. <laughs> and and I think that, like, so he kind of saw that, too. And, and um, we, like, started having some friendly competitions, saying, like, who could get rid of 50 things the fastest. And, um, and so anyways that was like kind of over the summer that we really like you know just decided to go all in and um towards the end of the summer i think it was like august or september it's september now so it could have been i don't know how soon it was probably it was august i think of 2013 so we're like okay we what we found out is we had a and we still have it's a volkswagen Golf. so i thought all right i looked it up and what's amazing about this car we had just gotten it earlier that year And it could tow. It's one of the few cars that could tow that wasn't like an SUV or a van or like a truck or something like that. So it was like, oh my goodness, match made in heaven. I had no idea that this was the case. Neither of us did before we bought it. Who knew that this thing could have a hitch on it? So um, we looked up what it would be like to haul a five by eight foot trailer out to uh, out to Phoenix, Arizona. And it turns out it really wasn't that bad. I think it was like four or 500 bucks. So we're like, okay, like if the, if there's a will, there's a way, right? So we have the will and we're going to cut down all of our shit to fit in a five by eight foot trailer. And, um, that's what we did. We like had that goal. We got rid of a bunch of stuff before we moved. And then, um, and then what we did is we, We put everything in the trailer, like, the night before we were leaving. And we kind of, we realized that even if everything could actually fit, that doesn't necessarily mean that, um, even if it could fit, it doesn't mean that it could actually go, because there's a weight capacity. So, um, literally, the night before we're moving, we're, like, weighing everything in the trailer. And I kind of saw at that moment... That we were literally weighing our experiences and our desires against our things, and um, I'll never forget like what it was like to stand in my in-laws' garage, and I think we had like some PBRs, and um, we're like, all right, so I guess we have to weigh everything out. So like Matt would take a box, he weigh himself, like he weighed himself, so we had that weight, and then he held the box up, and we subtracted it and uh, we were giving away playstations and wine glasses and champagne glasses and uh all kinds of things and it was really exhilarating and actually i remember tweeting at josh and ryan and being like what do i do like our stuff isn't fitting in the trailer i think i may have even sent a photo our stuff isn't fitting the trailer like i don't know what we're gonna do we really want to move and they, they sent me a link and it was a link to this essay, and it's, the essay is titled Let It Go, and then it's like their second to shortest essay ever, and it says, let it go, it's just stuff. And I was like, all right, fine, like, it's just a matter of, like, it's not a matter of, like, any tips and tricks, like, 20 ways to fit all of your shit inside of a U-Haul before you move to Phoenix, Arizona. I was like, no, just kind of, like, let it go, it's just things, and you really, there's no, like, hard and fast rules for all of it. You need to set your ego aside and uh, invest in what you truly want. So um, we ended up not moving to Phoenix, Arizona. We got there. We didn't really care for Phoenix as much, and we spent a couple weeks sleeping in our car, and we decided to live in L.A. instead. And uh, that's a whole story in and of itself, but, um, but I got the experiences, though. I worked at about a dozen galleries in Culver City and the surrounding areas over the two and a half years that we were there. Um, and, you know, in the end, I kind of realized that gallery work was not for me, that the art industry, like, in terms of, like, the selling side of things wasn't necessarily for me, but um, but I'm glad that I experienced it because it was, like, kind of something that I needed to go to that dead end. I think that sometimes we need to reach, like, the dead end of something in order to realize that it's not exactly what we want. It's like sometimes you have to go down that path. Like, you have to sometimes, like to learn a lesson no matter what it is like you have to go down that path in order to find out that like that that path is not for you and I think that a lot of times we get bogged down when we go in a certain direction and it doesn't work out and the opportunity cost and like the sunk like the sunk cost of going in that direction of the time and effort and energy and money we get so wrapped up in that that we forget the fact that like that our minds needed to be proven wrong. And I have a very, um, I have a very willful mind, I guess. And I'm the kind of person that needs to be proved wrong. And I need to experience a lot of the ways that I'm wrong. It's very, very difficult for for me to take somebody's word. And in a lot of ways that does not serve me. Um, But in a lot of ways it does. I think that most personality traits it's like there's two sides of the same coin like for instance in this case in some cases like i usually when i get into like a position on a project or something like that i'm really really good at upheaval and re-implementing brand new strategies i'm very like bad at adhering to old strategies because i just find that like I don't. I have more questions. I'm like, why are we doing this? Why does this even make any sense? And I'm sure that like most of my jobs, if you ask any of my old bosses, actually, like one of my old bosses, his name is Dan, and I worked at a uh, at this place. It was like a, a shoe store in, in like in in the town that I grew up in, in Crystal Lake. And uh, I saw him a couple years ago, and he was like, "Oh, I remember you." He's like, "Every day I would come in, and like the office would be a total mess, and I'd be like." I'm not even told him I like, he's like, everything would be gone. And then I'd have to figure out, like, what new system Jess had implemented that day. So, um, yeah, I think, and I think that's one of the reasons that I found minimalism is because, like, I tend to be the kind of person that throws away the rule book, like, as soon as it's received. Like, when I receive, like, instruction manuals and stuff like that, usually I'm like, all right, I got it, I got it, I got it. Just, like, let, let me do it myself and I'll just figure it out. I'll let you know if I need anything else. And, Uh, there are so many times that I do that and I think, God, Jess, you're so stupid. Why don't you just like, why don't you just move forward knowing that somebody else has been where you're at? But, um, I'm an experiential learner, so unfortunately that's just kind of the way things go. So, um, minimalism for me today, I think probably would be a good, like, next thing to kind of talk about, um, I mean, I'm not moving across the country right now, so I do have more things than uh, I had before. I have less of a det- like a, an attachment to the things that I own, and I genuinely see them as more so renting than owning. Most mostly because we've moved uh, a couple of times in the last in the last five years, and. Um, one of those times was to Hawaii, which we stored all of our stuff at, uh, at my in-laws and we each bought two bags and we stayed there for just under a year. So my detachment to things is so much better. So if somebody was to like, be like, Hey, you're moving to LA tomorrow. I would be like, all right, that's fine. I know exactly what I'm going to get rid of. Cause I know. And I, and I, and I think that like, sometimes you feel a little bit of a tinge when you get rid of things, but ultimately like. When it comes to moving, at least for me, like I'd rather set like sell a lot of the stuff, especially since a lot of our furniture is not super fancy. Um, but I don't know, minimalism for me these days is simple. I think you know, I uh, I take pride in like I don't know. Let me think about how I take things. I, I guess it's like room by room, but like the entryway, I, I try and keep clear. I always keep a bag by the door, um, in case there are things that I want to get rid of in case like inspiration strikes and I'm like, ah, I don't really feel like I need this thing anymore. I think that like one of the ways that I feel the most productive is when I create ways in which I can succeed easily. I have to create a system for myself to succeed and then I can succeed. So I always keep a bag by the door, um, and yeah I try and keep the bedroom very, very simple. We don't I have like you know I have like one or two things I guess like th- three photos of Matt and I hanging up in our bedroom, and then I have one old painting of my mom's um and aside from that, like it's a pretty calm and quiet room. We have you know a Himalayan salt lamp and I have a sound machine because we live like in a pretty busy area, and that's probably one of the calmest rooms in the house actually is our bedroom. Um, everywhere throughout the house, actually, except for our bedroom, we have a lot of plants. Um, I have that's like one thing that I think people would probably be shocked by is the amount of plants that I have as a minimalist. It's uh, it's a lot. After moving back from Hawaii, it was one of those things where I realized, I'm like, oh, I'm like I need a I need some green around me. Like I just can't do like winters without seeing like some green stuff. Um, so I mean, when we moved to Chicago, that was like one of the first things that we started investing in. Um, cause I have a lot of chemical sensitivities and maybe in a later podcast, if you guys feel like you're interested, you could let me know. And I could kind of delve into some of the health issues that I've been working through the last couple of years and, and I'm finally gaining some fucking ground on. Um, but yeah, lots of plants. Um, but I try and keep essentially like looking at things like room by room, looking at like looking at our family room, we have out like a bunch of plants and we have out some physical therapy stuff. Every morning I do physical therapy, I do a goscu. And so making those things readily available and making it one of the few things readily available, it's one of the best things that i found that I'm able to do for myself to remind myself of the way that I would like to spend my time. Um and so far, that's gone really well. I'd hardly miss a day of physical therapy. It has to be a pretty a pretty long one if I'm going to. Um, but yeah, my office area, I mean, one of the things that I kind of keep in my office area that I love having is a essential oils diffuser. I, I love it because it reminds me to stay mindful. I feel like smell is one of the few things that you can like you can experience uh if it's pleasant and it can cause mindfulness like i think if you smell like a cinnamon, then you're gonna get hungry you know so you want to have like the right kind of smell around you because if you have like a nice like airy beautiful eucalyptus mint peppermint whatever um i think actually this, this week i cleaned our house with thieves which is a combination of like clove oil and like i think it has like some frankincense and stuff like that um Cause fall's coming up and, um, yeah. So I figured I'd make the house smell like fall. So yeah. Uh, plants, essential oils, diffusers, like those are the things it's, it's far less about the things that I omit from my life and it's far more about the things that I decide to include. And so that would include physical therapy. That would include plants that would include essential oil diffusers and um, matte bought me a beautiful bouquet of flowers and it looks like fall in our family room right now like all of those things especially the plants the plants remind me to be mindful and I feel like my interaction with the plants uh has been a really growth-oriented experience I know it sounds kind of bizarre but like I, I feel like I have to really do a good job observing what they need and Um, you know, one day I'd really like to delve deeper into horticulture and potentially to have a greenhouse or like, that's kind of, that is an interest that I intend on deepening over time. And like, so having plants, this is like my first foray into the plant world and, um, sometimes I feel great about it and successful and then sometimes I feel like oh my god I just killed another plant like what am I doing um but it's a way of mindfulness I I love it because it changes the atmosphere around me and it causes me to take note of like what the leaves look like and what color are they are they drying out like does it look like maybe the plant is like outgrowing the pot that it came in, and that maybe I need to like repot it so that it's like properly draining or that like maybe I need to repot it with new soil, which is something I know I need to do, I need to get organic soil and I need to repot a lot of this um but like yeah, having something to pay attention to and take care of and be mindful of specifically plants in the home has been a really great addition. Um, so plants, essential oils, diffusers, and I don't know. I think that's it. I mean, the things that I've removed, um, we don't really use paper towels. We, I think I'd be open to bringing paper towels back into our lives. It's, it's like mostly that we just don't have a paper towel holder at this point. But, um, that was like one experiment that I tried to, that we both have done but it's not really an experiment anymore we've done it for the last four years or three years or something um probably four uh one thing that we don't buy is we don't buy napkins um i have white napkins right now but they're polyester i'm hoping to get like some black bandanas and use those as napkins because then they won't stain and um and i'll be able to use them like regularly we have like matt has a lot of black clothes because he works in film so it would be easier to clean them so i guess those are some of the weird ways that we're minimalists i don't really know i mean i don't have an umbrella but that's not on purpose and it's actually rather inconvenient so (laughs) that's not really minimalism that's more more so late 20s ill-preparedness like i kind of feel like we should probably have an umbrella at this point um but yeah i mean my still my life is impacted by minimalism every single day. Um, it's about, it's about values for me. It's like, it's about, um, it's about seeing my family regularly and, and like seeing how they're doing. And it's about, um, about eating well and not eating to satiate an emotional need, but eating to satiate a physical need. Um, I know there's a lot of contention around food and like whatever your choices are, totally your choices. And, and maybe I'll talk a little bit more about my dietary approach as time goes on. It's evolved and changed a lot over the years and it's going to be different for everybody. Um, but like all of these things I've like, and because of like minimalism, I started exercising and actually taking care of my physical body, which is not something that like I have ever done in my entire life. And that's actually like a rather new development. So I feel like there are some things that like you get really good at, you know, like I got really good at leaning into experiences. I got really good at uh, exploring and being creative. Like, and I got really good at eating healthy. That's kind of like the things that really started me off. And uh, while I still maintain those focuses, because I've been able to kind of um, grow those focuses in a very, I feel like, a relatively solid way for myself, um, now I have a little bit wider of a bandwidth to focus on things that, for me, are a little bit harder, like uh, like fitness and taking better care of my finances so I can finally pay off those stupid student loans. Um, and, like, those two seem to be, like, the biggest things that I'm learning to address right now, and and it's all through the vector of minimalism, because essentially it's like, do I, do I care about my body? That I'm going to go to the gym, and if I don't go to the gym, if I don't work out, even if it's just not at the gym, if it's at home, if I don't do that, then I don't actually value my body, and I can't actually say that I do unless I make that decision, and that's the same thing with anything else, like, do you actually value your money? Like, Like, are you flippant when you spend it? Or are you willing to look at what sacrifices need to be made in order for you to have a more stable life overall? And, um, one thing that I find that like all of this is rooted in for myself is two things, uh, slow growth and being willing and ready to recognize that, um, leaning into any of these aspects of life will not change things overnight. And if you're looking for a magic bullet, it doesn't exist. And um, I don't remember the second thing is, but I think the, first, but like the magic bullet doesn't exist and that like, it's discipline. Like this is all the long haul. I don't think that like our, our lives are not an infomercial and the decisions that we make will not impact us overnight. Like if we're lucky, occasionally that'll happen. Um, but it's not like, that's not the kind of growth that you want in the first place. Uh, you want, like, I don't know, maybe you do, but for me, I've found that like, I really like the kind of growth that takes a long time that you don't see like the, the, um, you don't see the results until, days months or even years after working and it's it's the point where you can look back and be like oh wow I finally I finally got it because I think I think when you get wrapped up in being a results oriented kind of person um that like is so focused on that it can be really challenging and you can kind of tend to for me like if I'm constantly looking at results and stats and numbers I tend to get discouraged And I focus less on when I do that, like I'm, I'm not focusing on what I need to do in order to get better. I'm just focusing on what, like, what are the top result that I want? And ultimately, like if what you're doing is working for you and you can feel that difference then, um, and you can experience that difference and some things it's different, like finances, you can't really like base your feelings off of it, but I guess maybe I'm speaking to like more so like working out or, you know, like working creatively or having good relationships like you know what's working for you and what's not you have to be honest with yourself and um and that's one of the things that I've really uncovered for myself is just like all right what do I want my life to look like what do do I want to look like like and, and I know like we all have our our insecurities and for me I'm like oh man like I look at my thighs or my arms and I'm like oh that doesn't look exactly the way like I would like it to and like you know i would really much prefer to look like uh look like bella hadid or whatever her name is hadid i don't know i would much rather look like her than look like me but then i think okay number one you're comparing yourself to somebody else which is never a good place to start you should always compare yourself to like you compared to you six months ago or three months ago or whatever um oh i remember the second what the second thing is uh, the second thing is, is that I realized that, um, for me, it's always about just moving forward and not getting caught up in the mistakes that you make. Cause like a lot of times, like even like if I like, if I'm taking photos and I'm like trying to edit them and figure out what, which ones I could post online and stuff, I get caught up in the one bad photo and I lose sight of all of the good ones. And I feel like that's a lot of the times, like the case, like if, let's say I wake up one morning and I'm really not feeling good and, like, I don't feel like doing a Goscue. Like, number one, I have to feel really bad not to be able to do it because um, I do it every single morning. But let's say that I fuck up one morning and I don't do it. Um, I can't spend the next week telling myself how shitty I was for not doing that day. I just need to move forward and use that, like, the next day to say I'm going to totally and completely recommit myself and, and keep on moving forward and, um, cause like all of these things, all of these areas of life that like we talk about at the minimalist growth, contribution, um, passions, relationships, health, finances, all of these things are like super slow growth things and, uh, they're all important and they all take time and, uh, we're all going to fuck up. And I fucked up and you're going to fuck up too. And I hope you don't fuck up today. And I hope I don't fuck up today too. But it's going to happen. So I think that we just have to be accepting of it. And recognize that we're always growing. And um, as long as we're growing in direction that aligns with our values. Then we'll end up on top. And um, yeah, that's it. So I hope you enjoyed this little mini episode on... On my experience with minimalism as somebody who's worked with the minimalists, I did not expect to talk to myself for 38 whole minutes, but here we are. Anyways, I hope you enjoy this episode and thanks for listening. <laughs>